Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a man. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch Track Podcast, presented by the Dude Grim Show. I'm the Dude, and I am Grim, and we are very happy on this day to be speaking about the album Brothers by the Black Keys, which in many ways we kind of relate to on a personal level we do you know for ourselves brothers from other mothers yeah uh, not yes. unknown brothers either like the song no, on the yeah, album unknown the brother like like we know so mm-hmm. here we are absolutely talking about it yeah we certainly are. Well, uh, Graham, before we get into it, we just want to remind everybody what this podcast is about. This podcast is about picking our favorite albums by our favorite bands, talking about those albums, discussing the songs on the albums, and then choosing ultimately, and sometimes sadly, what song we would have to scratch off if our disc got scratched. Ain't that yeah, like? because in, you know, life, uh, what usually happens is albeit a vinyl or a CD, we have found that throughout the course of life, something inevitably gets scratched and it's a bummer. And you ask yourself, man, like, why did it have to be that track? What if it could be this track? And so as a game that me and the dude started to play in which we would discuss our favorite albums and say, what would you scratch if you had to scratch one? And sometimes it sucks. Yeah. And the podcast was born. And so here we are. Welcome. Yeah. 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 You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Well, cheers to that. And I just want to say I'm drinking. It is Cinco de Mayo. This episode will uh, air much after Cinco de Mayo, but it's Cinco de Mayo. And so I'm drinking a glass of Mezcal Cointreau. It's a little orange bitters out of my dude glass that Grim so kindly Air blast, custom sandblasted. sandblasted those glasses. I don't know if man. it can. I don't know if it can pick up on the camera. I'm oh, just, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, just yeah, so glad they made it to you, because, dude. Oh, I was worried about that. Like, I have that. That yeah. was as far as sandblasting goes. That is my art. Like, that is the pinnacle See, of what I've done. And I think this really goes with the theme of this album because that is exactly what best friends and brothers do for each other. Yeah. We give each other devices to consume substances. Closer than enjoy. brothers. Yeah. Closer than brothers. All right. Into the album. The Black Keys Brothers, their sixth studio album released wow. May 18th, 2010, man. 20, 2010. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing uh, this album when it came out. Um, I was in a band at the time, and the guitarist, Mr. John Alma, um, Mm. hooked me up with this album. was like, dude, you need to listen to this. And uh, I did. So his solo will be featured in the intro music of this podcast, which I think um, may not have been influenced by this album, but but maybe indirectly was like in a Pulp Fiction, uh, non-sequential kind of way. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So so where were you at when this album came out? Where were you at as far as being a fan of the Black Keys? Like I I had had a bunch of that stuff. I, I hadn't done the deep dive into their catalog. I was familiar with some other stuff, but I wasn't. I, I, this is the album that really kickstarted for me. Oh, and see, I, I had Thick Freakness, had Rubber Factory, yeah. um, not on vinyl, but, um, you know, listened to them regularly and, and liked them as a band. But I guess maybe wasn't expecting this. And so when I heard it, I was like, man, this is this is really cool. And one thing I really liked is how, like, how weird and literal 
the cover is where it says this is an album by the Black Keys. The name of the album is the name of this album is Brothers. It it's yeah. It's almost awkward in the way it's presented, but but there's something about that that I really like. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to do some kind of they just wanted some kind of basic cover and everything and And uh, they got so it. Pat Car- Dude, Pat Carney's brother is the one who like designed this and came up with it. <laughs> That's so, cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and I, th- I think I might have won an award or something. I don't know. Do, does Grammy do best covers? Of I don't know, but I think I they know. won. They won something. Uh, they won several Grammys for this. Which it's won. It's won several awards. It's not very late. Yeah. One thing that I will say is, um, in one, I, I I had read somewhere that in one of the Grammys that they they won for this album, when they were at, when they were given the physical Grammy award, it actually said the Black Eyed Peas instead of the Black Keys. And dude, that makes sense. I'm sure. sorry. Like I know that via text you and I and Forrest were talking about the worst bands ever. I should have listed the black eyed peas because I'm sorry. Like they're just fucking terrible. And to mince that up with the black keys, like God, what a disgrace. What a fucking disgrace. What the fuck is that shit? But before we get into that, I'd really like to remind everyone, please go ahead and like, subscribe, and comment below. And I'm sure everyone who is huge Black Eyed Peas fans have already unsubscribed, so go ahead. Thank you for that. If you, if you uh, are, hey, though, you would have never listened to this in the first place. We're just speaking the truth. Yeah. So <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. Well, dude, so here's the thing, Grim. Um, when this album came out, let me tell you, I listened to it a lot. Like oh me over, too. Like that's that's just what I listened to for like a few months. It was just this. Oh and yeah. I was living in Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time. And when is Lollapalooza? It's like in August, um, early August. So this came out in May. So it had been out for a few months, and they were playing Lollapalooza. At this point, they weren't even headliners. They were playing like the forty-five minute sets. Wow. And so I specifically, I specifically was like, uh. I need to get a ticket and I need to go see them like right now. And dude, I think I paid like 80 or 90 bucks to go down and see their 45 minute set. And I think I left like right after that. I was like, yeah, I'm good. Wow. That must have been like the, the year that I stopped coming for that. I think it was, it was the last, yeah, it was the last year I was in Chicago. So it was, it was, yeah, 2010. Because you and I saw Uh, a lot of good bands there, like prior to bands. Pissed, still pissed that we missed LCD sound system. Walked right fucking by it like a bunch of dickheads. But yeah, the past. I'm sure we were going to see something pretty great. Anyways, um, the crazy thing about this album, Grim, is it almost never happened. And why is that? It's because they almost broke up, which is pretty pretty wild. Yeah, heard some stuff about that from what I have read. um, A couple different things. One. Tensions were high. It was about 2009. And uh, Dan Auerbach came out with a solo album. Now, he had played the solo album for Patrick, but I don't think he mentioned to him, like, hey, I'm going to put this out. And then all of a sudden, he put it out, and Patrick was like, "Uh, dude, that ain't cool, man. And so that was not good. But then also, uh, Patrick was going through a divorce. And Dan, and this is quotes, Hated her from the start and didn't want anything to do with her. And they'd been married for two years and together for like seven years or nine years. I forget what it is, but um, it's been together for nine. So basically the whole time the Black Keys were like coming up, Patrick was married to someone that Dan absolutely hated. God, that must have been horrible. Talk about some awkward Christmases and like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, so but there's a happy ending and. Yeah, never mind. I won't even go there. Um, so, but broke off the marriage, and then the two worked things out after that, and then they went and recorded the album. I mean, dude, I'm really glad they did that. As I think probably they and most of the fans are as well. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's interesting because like a lot of great albums, this was recorded in a handful of places. 
Um, we kind of touched on in our Monday episode the recording of Tighten Up, which was done with Danger Mouse in, I believe, Brooklyn. I think it was uh, yeah. yeah, because because prior to this, I don't know if you have you ever listened to the Black Rock album, dude. I have it, and I really haven't listened to it. Oh, you yeah, should! It's, it, it's really pretty awesome because it's basically like they just lay down a bunch of awesome tracks, and then they get like, dude, RZA is on it, um, Raekwon, the Chef, uh, just dude. They 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 found old tracks from Old Dirty Bastard and put it on it. So there's, um, uh, what's the Jim Jones? Which I love because um, his his rap his name is Jim Jones after Jim Jones the cult leader, but there's they they basically just made this awesome album that was like a bunch of sweet backing tracks and then they got MCs to hop on it and just rap over the top of it. So it, it was it was really cool. So I think in the course of making this, and I believe that was made in Brooklyn. So okay. I don't know if that puts them there to hang out with Danger Mouse or how that worked out, but it, <laughs> it seems, at least in my mind, of not knowing or not being there to kind of coincide. If you well, Danger will. Mouse produced the tech and release. Yes. So, yes. They, so they had known. I mean, they were, and it sounds like they were like, hey, not just produce, but they like hang out. They're like friends yeah, sure. and stuff. And so that's kind of, I mean, we, we can talk a little more. I mean, we talked a lot about Tighten Up on our Monday episode. We can talk a little more about that when we get to it in the tracks. Yeah, but sure. Sounds like they they kind of hung out and everything, but everything else had been produced by Mark Neal. Um, and a lot of it was at uh, Muscle Shoals, which was a very cool sort of story, man. Like how they, that just kind of came about. Um Right? Yeah, because Muscle Shoals is this classic recording Alabama. facility um, that kind of came into prominence when they they did the song Take a Letter Maria, which is an old hit from like the 60s. Yeah, it was like 69. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, dude, before you know it, the Stones are there. They did, the, I think they did Brown Sugar and they did Wild, Sugar Horses and Wild Horses there. And Now, Grim, do you remember? That's the scene in Gimme Shelter. Oh, absolutely. That's where they're at. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah and Keith Richards is almost like passed dude. out in there. Yeah, just like drinking jam. Yeah. Well, and they zoom in on his boot, and it's either snake skin, I think, yeah. or alligator skin, or something like that. And it shows him tapping, and they're just in mm-hmm. the studio, just kind of all listening to it. It's yeah. very cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you picked up on that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And and the thing is, with this studio, there was a group of musicians at Muscle Shoals who kind of created this sound, right? Aside from the room itself, which which has quite a sound too, right? But a lot of artists went to Muscle Shoals because they said they wanted that southern, they wanted that, and and I quote, black sound. But the okay. irony is, those musicians were white, but they were they they grew up in the South and they were so influenced by that music that like that's just kind of what came out of them. And I thought that mm-hmm. was always a fascinating story. And so Muscle Shoals, you know, grew in popularity and then they went to a new building. And then there's this old building that just sat there. Nothing yeah. had been recorded in it for 30 years. It was basically a museum at this point where people right. would like take tours through. Walk and, through it. Yeah. yeah and there's, yeah. there's nothing there other than this room. Like, hey, these guys recorded here. Cool. All right. And, and I Let's loved reading about this because they're like, yeah, so they contacted the guy who was, you know, the caretaker or what have you, and he gave them what was, I think, written down as a really good day rate to record there. It's like a discount yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But knowing that there was nothing there but a goddamn air conditioning unit, so they basically yeah. had to bring in a mixing board and everything, you know, like the whole the council and everything that went with it. And right. so then enter Mark Neal, who has all this 
awesome Just analog equipment. analog shit, right? Which yeah. I believe he helped Dan Auerbach build his own studio in Akron, which he then moved down to Nashville and has since right. recorded a lot of artists there. So, yeah. sorry, I, I'm tired no. of talking. No, well, I mean, you did a hell of a job. I mean, that's a podcast you're supposed to talk. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what it was, is they... The whatever the, they talked to the guy and he said, yeah, come on down. But, you know, you're going to get the space. You're going to get a bathroom. You're going to get an AC unit. But you got to bring your own shit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that was fine, at least, you know, because because he had the stuff. Now, here's the thing. Um, what what I kind of read about it, too. And that was a great article that that you you sent me. They used what? How do you I don't know how you say it, a studer mixer. Yes. And is that right? And as that, one of they them said, and a UA yeah, mixer, and, universal audio okay. mixer, which I think they said was reminiscent of the actual, the the same style of UA mixer that was in Muscle in there Shoals, that, yeah, like thirty years time. ago or yeah. whatever, yeah. But that mixer, they said, they seldom went beyond ten tracks for that. Yeah, so. and, and dude, that blew my fucking mind to to um to read that because I'm like. I guess what really got me is when they talked about how they recorded the drums and yeah, who the, the they cited. Crossfire, right? Yeah, it was three. which I thought was awesome is they basically had three mics. They had one like near the kick and then they had one near the bass time and one near the snare. And it just, yep, it picked up everything. But who they, who they mentioned as the kind of inspiration for that mic setup for the drums. Mm-hmm. None other than Glenn Johns, who produced basically like uh, most of the Led Zeppelin albums that you would know. And I think you could make a fair argument that they had a pretty damn good drum sound for those Led Zeppelin albums. Yeah. And I just, I, I find that interesting because... When you listen to those to those recordings that were obviously done in Muscle Shoals, which is I think they said ten out of fifteen tracks on the yes, album. Ten out of fifteen. Correct. And then you listen to Tighten Up, you can hear how Danger Mouse produced it differently and probably recorded the drums like separately, which is awesome in its own right. But at the same time, you get an amazing sound. Recording the drums with that, with with that, like I think you described it as a triangular crossfire. Yeah, that was just kind of how I said it. But it, but it's it's amazing to me because, like, thinking about it, I'm like, I I just I I still can't fathom how they got the drums to sound that goddamn good with three mics. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they said you know there was one mic out front. Um, one in the vicinity of the the floor tom, mm-hmm. and then one in and then one in front of the bass drum, slightly angled downward. Now, here's the thing: what what Neil said because of the, the the sound of the room, I guess that they were listening to everything in really affected the mixes. So they would they they mixed for the room yes. that they were in. Yeah, the, but the then control like, room. Yeah, but then we'd go out and listen, you know, in the car and your earbuds or whatever, and it would sound so different. And what he said was like the kick drum and the bass were just so predominant in those mixes. And that's that's kind of that's really interesting, because if you're a producer, you know, and we've talked about this when you're mixing, you know, the bands that, you know, you've been in and stuff like you're sitting in your studio and your sound and you're hearing the sound through your monitors and you're mixing it or your headphones or whatever you're doing. Right. But the thing is, and and that's great, but the majority of people don't listen to music kind of with your headphones on or with those monitors. I I mean, most people got little AirPod buds or they're in their car or something like that. So it's going to sound different. And I think that was a, a huge, a huge shock to a huge shock to them for sure. I know, but it, but it's interesting because that very and you know it's funny because when I started listening to this album, I mean, I live in an area where I have to drive places, 
And so most of the time that I listen to music is in the car, right? For better right. or worse. And th- that's where I listened to this album the most was on CD in the car. Sure. Yep. And I listened. And as we were doing research for this album, you know, I had, I had listened to it again for the first time. And oh, I'm going to say like it. six, seven years, probably. So good, man. And, and dude, to listen to it in headphones, I feel like I heard it differently. And I was like, damn, it, it's amazing because it is so bass and drum heavy. But at the same time, that doesn't take away from anything else. It just fucking makes it kick that much more ass. Oh, it in, does. In my dude. opinion. No, it's... It, it, that's the thing that really stands out about it. Because... so. I don't know if we talked about this real quick, but I would love to know what what yours is. Uh, My favorite Black Keys album is Rubber Factory. Um, I well, it's between this and Rubber Factory, but I think it's Rubber Factory. What's yours? I'm going to say this one. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, because Because I think everything after this was too produced. I feel like this was the right level of like. Grittiness yeah, I, and produced for 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 me. I, I will say the album after this, which I believe is El Camino. Yeah, I thought I agree. Yeah, that might have been a little overproduced. Um, but I don't even yeah, want to say but I, overproduced I, because I I can't fault them for like growing as an artist. But I know what you mean. It's like there's a polish to it. There's yes, a, there's a cleanliness where and and, and for me when I look at. I love the kind of grittiness and we'll, when we get in some of the songs, we'll talk about that. Some of that, just that nasty grittiness where even though, even though it's in some of the, their more recent albums, I feel like it's almost like a clean grittiness. Like there's something about it. I understand. That I understand. There's something there, man. I, I like the. Uh, well, yeah. and to get nerdy, they, they talked about this with, with how they recorded it in that article that I sent you from Sound on... I believe it was Sound on Sound. And they talked about some of that grittiness was achieved just by using this universal audio mixer because it didn't have a lot of headroom, which headroom okay. is basically like... How do I what, before it's it? going to peak? Is that right? Like, yeah, it's basically like a, a man, kind of get kind of a kind of a range between when everything is is very present and full and it peaks. So the, apparently, this mixer didn't have a lot of headroom there. So it's like Comes if you got everything crunching. hot, it would start to maybe like very lightly and and grow in its crunch. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah, and, and I feel like, it, but I think but I like that sound. I personally. love that yeah, sound. Right? I mean, that, yeah. that's like the old recordings we hear. You know, totally. I, I mean that that is it has the that quality, sound. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a sound. great quality to it. The sound and, um, and, and to me, that's every time I, I listen to this album, and even more so as I listen back to it in headphones. I was just like, God, this just has such a such a real sound to it. Sure. You know, in, in well, Auerbach's voice and especially in Patrick Carney's drums, like it just, yeah. it, it, it just fucking kicks ass. I, I don't know how else to say it without, it does. without it thumps, sounding man. It, it, yeah, no, it thumps with, with the bass too. And it's just, well, and that's how they recorded a lot of these songs. Like typically it sounds like in their past, they had recorded kind of drums, guitar, this they recorded drums bass. Yes. And like those yeah, are like that, the that live was another tracks. thing I wanted to mention is and and they said that that was a big driver into how everything sounded because because that became the foundation of the track and then the guitars right. were added, which yep. but still the whole yep. idea of like on a lot of these songs having ten tracks, like because he said that he used that studer mixer Mm -hmm. just to use it as a bus which basically means like you take a bunch of tracks and then you dump them down into either one or two but he dumped that shit into mono so the so the drums were just like mono and that 
I, I don't know. Like, I just, I wouldn't even think about that nowadays because you don't have to do that. But to think about that and to do it and get the result that they got is unbelievable. Sounds I mean, amazing, man. It does. Yeah. Well, so I, again, kind of like you, I'm trying to think it had been a while since I'd listened to this album. And, and so we were going back to kind of our favorite albums. If I, put on an album of theirs. I do put on rubber factory. I picked it up on vinyl. Um, I don't know, months ago. Cause it would do great deal. It was like 20 bucks, man. It was, fun. I was like, yeah, I'm in good album. Yeah. Um, but now that I've listened to this one, I feel like this is one I probably need to pick up, man. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think there is like a new remastered, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully it fits on one disc. Although I don't think it no. does. I don't think it does does. either. Shit. Rubber factory does. And I'm pretty excited about that. That's pretty awesome. Um, But so, so going back to the the recording a little bit though, um, they talked about sort of in the room that they were recording in. And I don't know if you have any insight to this, but he said that the uh, kind of the floors in the main room actually had like give and flexibility. Like Mm -hmm. they kind of bounced a little bit. So that's, Soaked up a lot of the low end is kind of what it said. Yeah, um, which is weird. And and I would take that as like the low end that you don't want. Okay. Right? Because because there's low end that you do want and there's low end that you don't want. And depending on what instrument you're recording and how the room sounds, you may have to like EQ things differently. Because for example, if I if I were to in this room record a guitar track. I'm going to put it through an EQ that says get rid of everything under 100 hertz because that's just like noise I don't want. However, if I'm doing a kick drum, I'm not going to do that because I want that that super low end. Okay. Um, But I just have this, you know, kind of shit room in my basement that that's what I do things in where it's not muscle shoals. And and I think that's kind of the magic of some of these spaces. And and that's one thing that they talked about is like somebody like um Mark Neal could listen to old recordings and probably tell you where it was recorded because there's a handful of studios at that time that have like this characteristic sound and they talk about sure. that in the article and people can hear it. There's like Watts, there's like Stacks, you know, there's Motown, there's mm-hmm. Muscle Shoals. And there are people who can listen to these old songs. And like, based on whether it's the echo chamber they used or or the room or whatever, they could tell you where it's recorded. To me, that's incredible. Dude, that is like the equivalent to like wine tasting, being able to tell you yeah. like what year, what great you know, yeah, what yeah, varietal, yeah. what co- region, all that shit. I know. That is, that that's next level right it, there. It is. It is next level. Um it's amazing. So here's so here's the deal. They had blocked off two weeks to record here. And before going down there, they kind of didn't know what they were gonna get, right? They didn't know what they were yeah. gonna show up to. They're like, we're bringing down our stuff. You know, it, it we're we're gonna record in this place. The, the, their expectations were actually rather low. They got there, started recording, even dude. I mean, Patrick Carney was still going through his divorce and everything. I think I read that he was like not he he, he was kind of struggling and not really feeling it. And then the first I believe the first track that they recorded was Next Girl. And once he heard that and he heard the lyrics, and he just like was like, you know what? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about <laughs> the talk about that we'll talk about that song a little bit later. Uh but Basically, that kind of like snapped him out of it. It sounds like a little bit. And he was like, boom. All right. I'm into it. Um, And dude, they spent. Well, first of all, there's not a whole lot to do there. Right. In that in that area. So, yeah, they they recorded 10 songs in 10 days. They had a book for two weeks. Yeah. And basically they got out early. Yeah, they got. I mean, they were able to get out early. They recorded the last track and they skated because. The only thing to do there was uh, either go to Cracker Barrel or Walmart. And from what I understand <laughs> is they drink at the hotel at night. They get up in the morning and they go to Cracker Barrel, get breakfast. 
And then they were in the studio by 10 a.m. and they recorded. Like, dude, that's a really good 10 days. Like, I yeah. would like a 10 days like that. And I don't yeah, even record music, but man, I, I definitely tag along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cracker mm-hmm. barrel. Fucking drive to Florida from Michigan yep. and count the goddamn cracker barrels you see on 75. There's a few. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I think one last thing before we get into the tracks. Okay. And at least that I have, if you want, you know, feel free, feel free to add in because it is half your show too. Um, but oh, is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, but so anyways, they, you know, they get done recording all, all the tracks. They, they, you know, they throw those down. Then they go into mixing. Now it sounds like when yes. they went to mixing, they used quote unquote modern machinery to mix and master. And I, I wouldn't say some people or anything like that, but you know, it would it would ask one person, you know, you're going to these, you know, you're recording everything in analog, you're going to this old place, uh, you, you know, you're worried about the, you know, oh, the wood floors, and it's got this sound and this feel and everything, and then you're going to put it through this kind of digital transformation. I don't know. What do you do? You have a thought or opinion or what, what's, well, what's your take on that, my friend? You know, initially I would have had a thought and I guess it would have been like, what, what the, the fuck is know, that shit? Um, but I feel a big fat hairy butt coming. Yeah. But the thing is, when you listen to the final result, I, I, I it doesn't sound to me like something that was just like fucked over digitally it it sounds sure. analog and it sounds great so i don't feel like that by doing what they did the album was given any sort of a disservice that's that's my thought okay good yeah i can't disagree with that for sure i mean the sound to me i love the thickness the oh it's the gorgeous yeah the the drum and the bass just in your face kind of yeah. the whole time i, I don't think face, it detracted like, from that at all no so. no i'm good with it i'm good with it so well, let's Graham, go to the we, tracks man i was gonna say we got 15 tracks to get through and we spent some good time on the production but i hope everyone out there liked it and if you haven't liked it you should like it like subscribe to our channel you should comment below because we're about mm-hmm. to get into the tracks. We're going to go through each track probably quickly. And we'll pick one that, as hard as it might be, we're going to have to scratch that. So yeah. let us know your scratch, please. So here we go. Everlasting right. Light. Oh, very interesting song. The, the most interesting thing that sticks out to me with this song. Um, I mean, dude, it starts off. It's raw, <laughs> kick drum, bass right yeah. there. The way he sings it, though. Very un Dan, yes. very un black keys, falsetto, high dude, undude. But I dig it. I oh like yeah, it, it works. Like it. it works very well. It, that's that's kind of what does it for me. I think it's a good opening track. It stays consistent, right? It I agree. And, and as you'll hear as we go through this, there's just a lot of like soul in this and i feel like this is it and and i feel like as you listen to it especially knowing about the recording process there's probably songs some songs at least for me that i could say i think this was done at muscle shoals this is one of them okay there's there's a song a little later i have a i'm gonna i kind of want to play that game that, that's a fun little game okay to play. yeah like, ah, i wonder i wonder if they did it i know here. because i I have an idea for maybe why they did, and maybe I had an idea for why okay. they didn't. So as long as I read that in my notes, we'll play that game. So okay. next song, next girl. Now, this is the song that I think really resonated with with Patrick and helped him kind of, you know, get focused on the album. But man, uh, dude, again, dude. This song just like thumps right from the start, doesn't oh, it? Oh, it does. Like holy it shit. It does. But dude. The, but what stands out to me that I really like is the way they use the vibrato on the guitar and the way it works with the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. But dude, and in the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics are pretty basic and 
and straightforward. You know, oh, my next girl yeah, should be nothing like my ex. I mean, yeah, that's something that anyone has probably thought at some point. You, you know, can I mean, it's relate to. Yeah, you yeah, can that's the thing, to though. It. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is like you know, from my perspective, you know, you you have this one, you move on to the next, and you're like, oh, well, I'm I'm going to find those characteristics that uh, this other one doesn't have. And it's like, okay, cool. I found those characteristics. But then maybe the next one doesn't have the characteristics that you actually liked about the other one, too. So, I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm still single. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. This is like my uh, this is like my Tinder here. So, swipe right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, swipe right. Right. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, dude, this is a good, like, kind of thumping song like the way it moves along his his vocals are definitely he goes you know more black keys grittiness that we're used to kind of hearing yeah right? so yeah big i'm a big fan of that no i i am with you so let's tighten up tighten up well dude this is the i mean this is the hit Let, let's let not yeah, beat around the bush this is. is the one and and you know like we talked about on our monday episode if you haven't seen that you should definitely check it out after this one that dude Patrick Carney admitted, hey, the whole idea, you know, the whole idea it was, was the trying radio to make something hit. get yeah. played on the radio. Hey, man, at least own up to it, right? Like, yeah, yeah we want to pick a winner, and they did. No, I agree. And I, I like that they have kind of whistling in it. That that's interesting. Right. Dude, it's it's a radio friendly unit shifter. It's it's poppy. Um, yeah. The thing that I love, all right, here's the thing that stands out the most and what I love. And I know you I know you're a big fan of transitions. I love I love the transition mm-hmm. in this song. It's the transition great. is very good into that into that second part. It's, I know what you're talking about. It's a weird transition though, because like I know. Blah, 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 oh, I know. Right. That's one thing I was gonna say is the way the bass. It's almost like the tape is like shitting out, and it just something's get yeah. It's it's almost really good. It's almost not a smooth transition. No, it's a good transition. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like it. Um. So what's next? Uh, Holland for you. Ooh, Holland. So dude, not you know, going away from maybe the song a little bit, this album for them definitely put them on the map with Tighten Up. Yeah. And their the their next albums have also been pretty popular and mainstream. They've gotten a lot of commercial play, video game play, yeah. movie play. It is and even if it's not them, I've noticed in commercials and things like that where I'm like, oh, that sounds like a Black yeah, Keys yeah, yeah. kind of riff or something. Yeah. And, and I've definitely noticed that. So here's the thing with Howlin' For You. It appeared in NHL 11, um, Need for Speed, Payback, uh, a bunch of movies, including Limitless, Moneyball, and Deadpool. The Toronto Blue Jays use it as their home run song. And the Arizona Coyotes, which used to be the Phoenix Coyotes. So I don't know if they're Arizona Coyotes yeah, now or what. Yeah, I am not up on my hockey. But that was like their goal scoring song. Because let's Anyways, face it, hockey never would have fucking existed in Phoenix in the real world. I know. Well, because no they moved from they moved from Winnipeg, the Jets, to you know, Solani. where hockey would exist. I think they're actually back up in Winnipeg and oh, all the Jets now. Jesus I need H. Christo. Like, dude, I know. I, I'm so annoyed with the shit that hockey did. The Minnesota North Stars go to fucking Dallas. Dallas. Okay. Well, but, now we have the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, that's so cool. So awesome. But one thing I will say with Howland for you, I think yeah. that Howland for you is like, dude, if, da, if da, da, Tighten da, Up was the one that da, they wanted da, to make da, as their stadium da, hit, or sorry, their radio hit, dude, Howlin' For You is like their sporting event stadium hit because you could get people, great. you know what I mean? Yeah. Da, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like almost like ESPN. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, and you get a that. Little, a little different. Oh. You know, you uh, get, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's like uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. Yeah, I mean it. It has dude, similarities. Hundred percent. Yeah, I thought of that. I'm yeah. so glad you said that, dude. Yeah. I just didn't put it in my notes, so I was like, eh, <laughs> "We won't get into that." Yeah. Well, we just got into it. All right, yeah. all right. So all she's right. long well, she's gone. gone. Oh, God, I man. love it. I Peace love how they use the upper guitar, and it has this tone that, like, 
I mean, you know, it's a guitar. Are you talking but about the intro, the opening riff? No. Kinda, or, okay, no, I'm, I'm talking okay. about when he's, oh, she's long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like it, it has a harmonica quality Dude, sort of about that's, it. That's what I said. I said, yeah. when the guitar comes in later, it almost has this harmonica fuzz on it. Wow, yes. I'm quoting yes. My and, own. and that is, that right? is, that is. What is that? How? I, I don't understand. Like, Dude, is, is it a pedal and a fuzz? Is that man. the guitar? It's is, fuzz. is that a guitar? It's fuzz just... in a room, I think. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Question, though. One of the lines like Moses threw the corn. I don't understand that line. I never have understood it. I, I haven't. I forget. I Was haven't. Moses like, a farmer? Uh, I don't know. But I haven't looked up in the Bible to see what it references. Um, as far as I, I knew, he like fucked around with stone tablets primarily, but I don't know that yeah. he was a farmer. He did some etching. He's an etcher. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's very good at that. Yeah. Real good. Real good. Yeah. So, dude, Catholic school fell us miserably. So. Oh, yeah. Mm. Did a lot of All right. Black Mud. Instrumental track. Dude, nominated for a Grammy. Dude, it should be like I I was one thing I want to say about Black Mud is number 1, it is actually one of my favorite songs on this album. I just love okay. they dude, they got the Farfisa organ in it that did it. You know, they I I which I love that because to me that Farfisa sound is unmistakable. But there's a lot of layers. There's a lot going on. Which there is. You would want Probably an in instrumental. If like, I was uh, if I was doing a soundtrack for a movie, I would put the song in it. Like mm. if it was the right movie, I just to me this is this is a song for a movie soundtrack. It's fucking awesome. Like it it's it's an awesome song. If I was in charge, and I am, Which I, yeah. <laughs> If if we could change in in the next five minutes, I think it would go a little something uh, like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so here's the thing. I, I'm curious, and here's a little trivia question: Do the Black Keys have another instrumental song? I don't know that off the top of my Shit. head. I don't either. Without Maybe looking into it. someone out there knows. Yeah. But I'd be curious: Is there another instrumental song by the Black Keys? I would like to know that. Yeah. Um. Track number seven, the only one. Now, yeah, and what stands out to me is I think they're using like a Mellotron on this to get some of those string songs. I th yeah, I think. Okay, because this song has a real kind of eerie feeling. I and know, and I like that about it. There's a few songs I think on the remaining tracks of the album that do have this sort of eerie. I don't know if it go full dark, but eerie feeling, a little uneasy feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, again, I, I think his his vocals here are a little non-traditional black keys where he does go uh, a little more falsetto and he sings it kind of kind of very, I guess, sweetly. Yeah. Um, but, but I think but that's cool, cool because because I think it kind of contrasts the eeriness of like totally. the yeah, it, like the use of the Mellotron strings with everything. Mm -hmm. But dude, the next song I, I'm gonna say is probably my favorite on the album. Is that just because the harpsichords in it, or what? Dude, yes, it, it's 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 like it's got a fucking it pirate is theme. Kinda. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Did it? It didn't. Oh, I, I love I, it. I just this has been yeah, it's been one of my favorites too because I just I just love. I mean, I love the harpsichord, but oh, I love yeah. his lyrics. Dude, my gears, they grind. Oh, I know. State, I and know. I feel like they're going to grind away. I mean, dude, and, and they got those awesome. like these big, like expanding sounds in the background that kind of just grow. And yeah, it it's dude. Oh, dude. It, awesome it, it song. Is really good song. Um, Pirate track rap, nine, dude. Track number nine. Okay. So I got one for you here, Graham. Ten cent, Ten pistol. cent pistol. So what I kind of like about it. I like a lot of things about it. It's one of my favorites on the song. But Me too. Kind of tells a kind of tells a story, and in a strange way, not, and I'm not talking necessarily about maybe from a musical perspective. I feel like this is their um, Bungalow Bill or Rocky Raccoon. 
Because it tells oh, the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of. You know what I mean? No, and I it did. It has that yeah. sort of Wild West, like yeah, down sure. south feel to it. I yeah. feel like it's their, their Bungalow Bill or Rocky. Maybe maybe a little more Rocky Raccoon than Bungalow Bill. But but yeah, it's it's got that feel. Yeah, I, I can yeah. absolutely see that. And I and I think it's, it's a good, I don't know. It, it's like a good soul song. I, I don't know how else to say it. it, Dude, it that, just that, is. Yeah. Dude, it sounds old. Yeah, um, it does for, for some reason. And and the, and I will say, and this is just from probably more of a more of a guy's perspective. But the uh, the words that have always stood out to me is there's nothing worse in this world than payback from a jealous girl. Yep. Ooh, every man's nightmare. Yep. Sinister yeah, kid, man. Ooh, and and I love kid. to me. This is another one that. I don't know, but in my mind, it had to be done at Muscle Shoals because, dude, just the fucking bass and drums are so thick on it. Right. Yeah. To me, this is this is a little bit of a different, interesting song. It doesn't have the same kind of rhythm that a lot of the yes. other songs have. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's a little different. Uh, kind of fun in a in a way, maybe. Yeah. Just yeah. In its I sound. agree. Uh, but but it is different. It has some sections that are that are kind of kind of stripped stripped down but i think um, just, that's what's cool about it in, in yeah. my opinion yeah now i think there is a solo or, or there is the solo does he play that with the slide on this because he plays slide a lot on i some believe of earlier so. albums but I it, it sounded so. like that's what he did here on this one yeah okay um the go-getter dude the main thing that stands out to me is just the fucking get a, fuzz bass. The fuzz of bass. Because oh my God, you dude. don't hear the yeah. bass until it comes in. And it's like, I mean, it, it's just, it's so fuzzy. It's, it's just beautiful. Now, now, I feel like though, you know, when I was, I mentioned earlier that when they recorded a lot of these tracks, I wonder, this is not the song that I had in mind that I was going to ask you about if they recorded at Muscle Shoals, but they recorded the drums and the bass together. I feel like the 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 bass riffs in here are a little fewer and far between. So I'm curious: is maybe this is one of the songs they didn't record there, or they didn't record drums and bass together on this? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. They they may have because what I read was that for most of the bass tracks, they just used like a shitty old DI box, which means that the bass would have just come in on a line so that it wouldn't have been. Out in the room, polluting no bleed. The drum mix. Yeah, right. no, no ble- bleed. No bleed, basically. Well, so it bleeds, we can kill it. it's possible. Um, I think if there's one that's that's on the list for ones that are questionable as to whether it was or wasn't, it's, this would be one of them. And okay, the, actually, this it. Now that I look farther in my notes, I think this is the one I was going to ask you about because the drums in this one they sound really stripped down. They sound kind of thin, and and maybe they, they don't didn't. sound like that in the other ones. No, they don't, and that's why I was thinking maybe they didn't do this one there. Well, maybe um, I, you know, I don't know. All right, well, I wasn't there. This is Dude, I've never done this Patrick before. A ring I, and just see, yeah. be like Patrick, what's up? Or maybe Mark yeah. Neal or or Dan. Just get him on yeah. speed dial. Bring him in. Someday we're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Just, but in the meantime, we'll talk about, I'm not the one (laughs) cause I'm not, we're not yet anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, what is it? Oh, so this song starts off with like, I don't know. It's kind of like a keyboard or what is that? It's like, Oh, is that the one with the Wurlitzer piano? There was Maybe one that I, I yeah so I think there's a, the I was Wurlitzer asking I was going to say piano. is it a Wurlitzer yeah. or a Rhodes or like no what it's, is it? it's, it's a definitely a Wurlitzer because okay. the Wurlitzer has like this high end bit and it has this presence in the high end that the Rhodes doesn't have um, and this is the one I think I, I put in my notes that was definitely they did on a Wurlitzer okay good 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 yeah because I heard that and I was like shit man. Is it the Rhodes? Is it yeah. the Wurlitzer? I, I'm trying to think what I, I like ran through the ones. That no, I, but like, like know dude, really a, well. a nerd like me who has yeah. literally both of them behind me, like I would know. <laughs> you, know? you would know. And if yeah. you don't know, get the now video. you know. Now you know. All right. Unknown brother. All right. 
I know, brother, we have talked about this song in the past because the lyrics are a little like I can't fully make sense of them. Um, it's a seems to be a sentimental either. song. Um, it seems to be about someone who was lost. It sounds like you know, I know you, you hear unknown brother, but then you hear it and it's like, what does he say? Um, he says big brother, big brother a couple times, and then he says your life was joy, your mama's only boy, and it's so I, I don't fully get it. I don't. I know. Really understand. Like, does he have an actual connection to this person or not? It is kind yeah. of is kind of the question, and I, I don't it know. Sounds like they're an older person. I know. I know, but but like he feels this connection to them, which which is why I find this song really interesting. Yeah, I, I and it is one of my favorite songs on the album. I mm-hmm. really, really like it. Um, I like that you know the, it it did they did kind of slow it down. Yeah. Um, and there's just something very emotional about it that there that is, is, and I like the fact that it's unknown brother and the album is brothers. Like there, there's there's a connection to the album that I think is is really good there. The brotherly connection, exactly. So yeah. Track number 14, Grim. Now, this is a cover, dude. Like, that's kind of interesting. I did um, not know that, but... I did not know it until I did my homework, Larry. Um, one thing, Larry, that I really liked was, again, just the fucking fuzz bass, man. Get that buzz. So dude. nice. You can never get enough of it, really. So... No. One thing I'll say though, check this out. So, well, here's the thing: it is a cover of um, of a Jerry Butler song, which was written by Gamble and Huff. I didn't know that before that until I did my research, okay. but it did. But it's also been covered by other people, including Rod Stewart. Did not know that either. Um, but it does when you listen to it. It sounds kind of like this this throwback song it's, oh, it's it has a classic old, soul song in an in, in older yeah. soul feel to it right mm-hmm. so and um when i listen to it and you listen to that little beginning intro and you hear kind of the bells a little bit yeah yeah it, dude it reminded me i don't know if you know these guys uh the delphonics you ever listen to delphonics yeah dude the delphonics so i know them from the movie jackie brown uh, mm-hmm. awesome Quentin Tarantino movie and the soundtrack and they specifically talk about him and reference him in the movie but there's the song uh, it's called Didn't I and then in uh, parentheses uh, blow your mind this time Just there's just this like little intro and it has these bells in it and as soon as I heard that like my ears perked up I was like oh that kind of sounds like that ah. full transparency though I kind of went back and listened to both of them at the same time and it didn't sound like too similar, but it did remind me of that enough yeah, to make me think of it. Enough so. of it, yeah, enough of it to remind you of it. I mean, that's there's something that's there. Worth something. It's something, right? Yeah. All right, Grim. Last these track. Days. These not days. Not to be confused with these days by Nico. No, definitely not that. Yeah. Yeah. Nico. Songs the same name. This is a. Dude, this is a very slow, chill song. Yeah. Um, and, Interesting. You know, it, it makes sense to end the album, but yeah. It does. It, it, and part of me is like, ah, oh, gosh, you know, if I guess if you're going to have the slowest song on the album, is this where you're going to put it? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, yeah. It's interesting it because. kind of ended on a. They, they do have, I feel like, sort of one of these per album. Um, yeah. So when I when I listen to Rubber Factory, the song "The Lengths," and then listen to Attack and Release, um, the song "Things Aren't Like They Used to Be," um, they do have kind of you know they'll, they'll pick slow, one song to, one, to, yeah. to really slow it down, to really mm-hmm. slow it down, um, and that just happens to be this one. It happens to be the last track on the album. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting song, um, you know. Uh, the lyrics that I wrote down is like, "Watch what you say." The devil is listening. Yeah, he's got yeah, ear. Yeah. He's got ears that you wouldn't believe. Uh, and your brother, and your brother, again, another brother, and brother. Once you go to him, it's your soul. You can never, never, never retrieve. So, okay, lots, lots of brother references there, my friend. Oh yeah, lots. 
So, with all that in mind, what is your favorite? Ooh. Oh, man. Shit. I didn't think about this one. Yeah. That's what you need to... It's not only what would you scratch, what is your favorite? So, I'm going to say what my favorite is for probably a reason that I've never really said what my favorite is before. So, what what I'm going to say my favorite is, is Tighten Up. And the reason I'm going to say Tighten Up is because... Before this, I'd like known of the Black Keys. I had heard the Black Keys, mm-hmm. but when I heard "Tighten Up," I don't know if I, you know, fuck. I mean, there was still a kind of like radio back then, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd heard that song, and I was like, "Wow, this is a good song." And then I was like, "Oh, that's Black Keys. Oh, cool." So I'm gonna start listening to this album, and that's what got me into this album, which got me deeper into the band, and really just kind of, I don't know, propelled my. I don't know, love and admiration for them. I mean, I've seen them probably like six or seven times live now. Oh, wow. I got I got a hoodie, Black Keys hoodie. Like, man, there was a time. Here's the thing. There was a time. I don't know who my favorite band is right now, if you ask me. But there was a time, a couple year period where the Black Keys were my favorite band. Hmm. That's the song that really kind of it put the hook in me. OK, that's right. So so that's why I'm going to go with that. OK, that's my favorite song. And the transition's Mine, fucking sweet. What's yours? Yeah, too afraid to love you. Okay, oh, dude. Right. It, it's yeah. The, all the these harpsichord, nights, the, yeah, all these wasted days. Yeah, so uh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, so right, that, okay. That's probably my one B, but yeah. I think I'm now, on the T. I scratched the last one. You, you are on the T right now, my dude. All right, all right. So here's the deal. Um, I'm gonna make it. Uh, uh, Quick clean cut. I'm gonna chop off the end. These days, track number fifteen. Um, I just, it's, it really slows down the album. And when you're at the end of a fifteen track album that is very very good, I'm just like, you know what, man? I, I think never give you up is a great way to end the album, man. I, I can I, totally. I, I could totally do that. I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Yeah. And also, I I think I mentioned when I was talking about this song, they usually have at least one kind of slower song on their albums. I referenced the lengths and uh, things ain't like they used to be. And I just think those songs are slower and I just think they're better than this song. I just do. Yeah. So I go with that. What do you got? Howling for you. Ooh, ooh, man! I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to give a WTFIS. Yeah, I mean, you can. I I did not expect that. I really did Dude, not. Dude, it's just it's it's just the most predictable. Fuck, it's totally predictable to me. And to put it after tighten up, I, yeah. I so don't know, I, man. I, I will say we're. I wouldn't pick that one, and I'm not going to get the give you the W blah 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 blah. Okay, blah. but but the da 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 yeah, da da. I don't da, like that. Da 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 da. I feel like that's sort of a easy way out a little bit. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why yeah. I don't like it. I will say, if we were going to go to overtime, I had a backup. Do you want to know my backup? Yeah, I do. Sinister Kid. Oh. Not mine at all. No, I, I just. If I had a backup, it'd be tighten up. Oh. <laughs> and I know, Fuck I you. know that's now. Yeah, that's fair. I accept, but it it just. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Interesting, though. I will say, Grim. Interesting that neither of us. The easy way out for both of us and for most people. Would be to do black mud because oh, well, it's the instrumental. And if you ins- if you do that, you're it's an the instrumental. Because yeah, but it's an awesome instrumental. So don't yeah, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a good song. If, but here's the thing: if if the absence of words 
constitutes your tr- your scratch for a given album, you may want to rethink why you listen to music. Maybe you should just listen to poetry. Yeah. Uh, because sounds, it, sounds awful. Well, it does, but I'm just saying, like, you know, was words, tree fingers your backup? Words are was an that your scratch? Part. What was your scratch for Kid A? Was it tree fingers? I forget. Mine was motion picture. Yeah, I think mine was too. I think we went okay. to OT. Probably did. I don't know what I did after that. Yeah. I think we just said it doesn't can't. matter. Yeah, we were that but guy just, on that just episode. Don't, just don't scratch black mud. Don't that's do a, it, that's man. That's real shit. Yes. So, Absolutely. with that said, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're going to yes. try to wrap this up. Maybe we could keep it even under an hour. It's going to be really close. But uh, let us know what track you would scratch below. Let us know what album is your favorite. Let us know what song is your favorite by The Black Keys, Alpha Brothers. What do you say, Graham? Time to go? Scratch a track is produced by The Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore and The Tims. Copyright 2021, The Dude and Grim Show.